Hello and welcome to the C21 podcast. My name's Jonathan Webdale. We hope you're safe and well wherever you may be. Today we hear from executives from Film UA Group, Echo Rights, Media Group Ukraine, APC Studios, the Ukrainian Motion Picture Association, Forecast Pictures and Radioactive Film as part of C21's Content Ukraine On Demand. Content Ukraine On Demand, the virtual version of C21's latest international TV conference, got underway online last week featuring a range of keynote speakers, panel discussions, case studies and exclusive digital premieres. Leading Ukrainian and international media executives discussed how the country's television market is evolving and its ambition of competing on the global stage. Execs from Film UA Group, Echo Rights, Media Group Ukraine and APC Studios spoke to Ed Waller about how Ukraine is developing new co-production and distribution models and why the country is of interest to other territories. In this panel, we'll take a look at how Ukraine is developing new co-production and distribution models with other key international territories. Helping us to navigate through this key topic is a distinguished panel of industry executives. I'll start with Katya Vishnevska, Head of Development and Co-Productions at Film UA Group. Uh, joining her is Nicola Sutherland, Managing Partner at Swedish Distributor Echo Rights. Next up, we have Irina Cherniak, Director of Sales at Media Group Ukraine and Director of Acquisitions at TV Channel Ukraine. And last but by no means least, Antoine de Roja, Head of Development at APC Studios based out of France. That's our panel. I'm Ed Waller, Editorial Director at C21 Media. And before we get into all the interesting co-development and co-production issues, I'd like to just start by asking the panel some basic questions about just good old-fashioned distribution uh, of Ukrainian programming. Um, I want to hear about the level of, of global demand for ready-made Ukrainian content and how it's changing. In particular, um, maybe the panel can answer which countries or which networks are actually buying a Ukrainian programming. I'm going to start with Katya, because obviously uh, you've had a lot of experience with shows like The Sniffer, uh, Love in Chains. Um, tell us about, about the, the demand and uh, for, for those kinds of shows, Katya. So I think that historically the regular culprits uh, would have been uh, C countries and then uh, obviously the ex-USSR. I think we've sold quite successfully on multiple occasions to Spain and Asian countries. But, um, you know, the general development of the industry and uh, the move towards further acceptance of non-English language contents has definitely helped us. And um, the COVID year has definitely helped us because all of us have gone to the depth of Netflix and found all the shows in all the weird languages. Uh, from, so what has happened over the past uh, year, year and a half, uh, in particular with the case of Hide and Seek, is that finally we started selling to new territories and also new players. So for instance, uh, Hide and Seek aired on uh, Free TV in Italy on Rai, which uh, would never have been possible before even a couple of years ago, or the sale to Germany that are notorious for having requirements for dubbing. And so the smaller languages just never really get a chance there. And now we are available in the States and Canada and Australia. Stan in Australia, for instance, even branded hide and seek is their original. So there is um, more opportunities opening up, both in terms of territory, but uh, territories, but also in terms of the kinds of buyers that are finally acquiring Ukrainian content. So that's our experience. Nicola, you, you've been distributing uh, uh, Ukrainian programming, lots of shows from Kabatel 95 Studios. 
crack them up, sugar daddy, so forth. Tell us about your experiences uh, selling uh, selling those kinds of shows around the world. I can't. I can't just said to stop you. I can't agree more with Kat just said that it's been really opening up. The, the market's really opened up for non English drama. It's been an amazing last two years. I would say in, in the, uh, such a shift in the industry. Really, did you know, for instance, that two out of the three most watched show on Netflix are non English? I mean, that's that's unheard of. It's it's really a game changer. So we've been working with, with, with Ukraine content for the last for 10 years about, mainly the Studio Quartal shows. Uh, and the, we've, so, you know, we saw them quite, I, I wouldn't say that it's like one specific territory. It's been, you know, quite different territories in um, certain the people we saw to, to Netflix, to, to Japan, to, to Greece, to Germany, et cetera, et cetera. And to Topic in the U.S., so it's really a very, very, I would say, great variety of buyers. And normally, ready-mades, they sell mostly to the neighboring countries, as Katja just said. But I think now it's the world has really opened up. You can sell to anywhere. Excellent. Uh, Irina, you've been uh, selling Ukrainian programming, telenovelas around the world. Um, you've also got this distribution deal with uh, GoQuest in India. Tell us about uh, your, your, your ready-made strategy before we get into the co-productions and things like that. Well, uh, we've started selling quite a lot over, I think, three or four years after we started producing quite a lot, actually. So each year we produce about 2,000 hours of TV series, which is quite a lot. And uh, now we sell not just to CIS, Baltics, or CE countries, but we work with uh, Africa. With our telenovelas, we work with Vietnam. We sell to Latin America. And uh, I would like to add that, um, like, for example, Macedonia is a very interesting case for us. Before, I think a couple of years, of years ago, they used to buy only Turkish and Korean drama. Now they love our telenovelas and they buy quite a lot of them, twice or three times a year. So this is kind of a game changer for us. They see our content, they see the quality, they see that the story is, uh, well, similar, but still it's kind of different from what they used to. We have nice actors. It looks nice. We use some international formats we buy for our own production. So it's been quite interesting. And we almost double the uh, number of hours we sell every year. Every year we double. So they're quite, quite nice. Okay. Antoine, bringing you into the conversation, tell us about your your thoughts about the demand for Ukraine. Yeah. ABC hasn't been selling Ukrainian content yet, but we are co-developing a series with uh, Katerina here. Uh, and uh, we hope to do so soon to, to be on the market with Ukrainian, with Ukrainian content. But uh, agreeing with Nikola here, um, we have seen a rise in interest for foreign language in general. And what we have been witnessing is that content from the East, not just from Ukraine, has, you know, get, has been getting better and better. And not only in terms of production quality, but also originality of storytelling, uh, which really put it on the map for us. And when we saw I didn't see it, that's what decided us to go into that space as well. So, so the you, in our in our chat before this uh, session, Antoine, you were talking about how Ukrainian programming has matured. It's not just about sort of World War II heroes; it's now more universal. Yeah, I think the nature of the story being told has changed quite a bit. Uh, when we first uh, met with Ukrainian content, content producers, we felt like it was really homogenous. 
a lot of World War II period dramas, uh, focusing on local stories. And uh, even in the mainstream genres, you had a treatment that was quite special, very action-heavy police shows, things like that. And seeing a shift in there was quite refreshing while still keeping originality. Then I would seek is a really good example of what can be done. Uh, the approach to major genre, something that exports well, but they did it with a special touch. And that's what distributors like us look for in countries like Ukraine. So really, it's, it's interesting. It's a, it's a good moment. So obviously there's uh, limitations to simply selling Ukrainian programming around the world, particularly if it hasn't been developed with the global market in, in mind. So I'm now going to ask the panel to share their experience of, of co-development, because first of all, how does it work on a day-to-day -day basis? How does, because Katia and Antoine, you're co-developing a new show that I hope you're going to tell us about. Tell us tell us about the show and how it, how, it, how how the co-development arrangement works. Katia? Um, so the show that we are now co-developing with uh, about premium content is, I want to say, the logical continuation of our experience with Hide and Seek. It does come from the same creative team who works on Hide and Seek. It's also a crime drama, but it is a true crime, which kind of feeds into this morbid curiosity humanity around the globe has with the stories of serial killers. So um, we found this story that we wanted to tell for ages now. It's, uh, it's a true story of Sergei Tkach, who is uh, uh, a notorious Ukrainian serial killer whose uh, murders pre-lasted for 25 years. And he's responsible for, no one really knows for sure, but uh, apparently around 100 deaths. And at the time when he was finally apprehended, there were nine people already serving time for the crimes that he committed. So this is basically an epic failure of justice on all levels. But I think what we were looking to do with the story is kind of to take the serial killer out of spotlights because, you know, they don't deserve it and to give voice to the victims. And this is a perfect case to do that because apart from the obvious uh, victims who can no longer speak, there's a whole bunch of other people who became collateral damage in the process, but also just the, you know, the innocent people serving time uh, uh, for this, something they didn't do. Um, so I think like for tapping into what Antoine has mentioned, that uh, uh, hopefully we can bring a certain uh, touch to stories that, to the genre that is actually well known around the world. I think this point of view is hopefully exactly that. And uh, yeah, we were lucky too that uh, from Antoine and the whole about premium content team liked our pitch. And so now we're co-developing it together. And the reason for that, apart from the fact that if everything works fine, then they will also be taking out the project to the market and distributed, uh, distributing it internationally. The reason uh, to have them on board is actually to have that kind of global point of view, someone not from within Ukraine to make sure that uh, this story is actually global as opposed to just local, but hopefully tapping into issues that are of interest to everyone. Because I think there is a, a major difference between a show being international and global. But I think, uh, yeah, enough yeah. talking. 
<laughs> that's ex exactly what brought us to the story that, okay, this is a story about a serial killer, but, you know, every country produces, produces locally those kind of stories. But because we focused on the victims there and because this happened in a corrupt system and it could, in a way, only happen in Ukraine, what's happened with Sergei Tkach. So we really felt, okay, this is a general serial killer type of story that can uh, really sell globally, but with a very special touch that could only come from Ukraine. And we decided to get on board with that and to both develop, you know, the series for a global audience, but making sure that we kept what made it special. And I think that's sometimes it takes an outsider to see what's special about the series. And uh, you can be surprised about what other audiences might like. So that's really what we wanted to find here. And uh, being a part of the development team uh, really helped us keep the fundamentals of the series. Like, what is it, what is it about? What makes it special? And for us, for a distributor like us to come on board that early, in content development is an insurance that, you know, we are going to get something in the end that fits what global audience is like. So, yeah, it's a, it's a great opportunity to work with Ukraine on that. How does it work on a day-to-day -day basis? Do you get a, a, a approval over casting? Do you get say over, you know, dialogue? Because obviously this is meant to be a Ukrainian story, so... Film yeah, URA uh, originated the story, so as part of our co-production model, it, uh, it makes sense that they retain final say on creative matters. Uh, but so far, we didn't hit any deadlock. So we, what we do is that we take decisions in common. Uh, Finue is bringing the talents, but we choose them together. And then we review each step of the development together, making notes, having uh, conversations with the writers, of course. So, yeah, we are trying to, to work as a team. Excellent. Uh, Irina, co-development, uh, is that something that you have dipped your, your toe into? Well, of course, you know, since we produce quite a lot of titles every year, we want to make something different, not just regular TV series. And I would like to start from, I guess, two cases to the, bri the brightest cases we have. But before I do that, I would like to say that where um, for us it's a little different than for Filmier or for any other distribution and production company because originally we are a um, TV channel and then distribution. So everything we produce is, well, for the TV channel. So this is where we have to find balance between what we need for our viewer and what might be interesting for international sales. And we have two interesting cases the one is a couple of years ago. It's called Marcus, our eight-episode criminal drama. We originally had the script written, and uh, there was organic uh, opportunity for it to be produced with some other country, because basically this is the story when there is a mother, she has a child, and he was kidnapped. And then there is a different country and different family, and there is a boy who they adopted and he doesn't know about that but he has dreams about it and this is how it all starts because the mother she wants to investigate um, and she does that eventually they all find each other and we had some uh, meetings with different clients all around the world and we found such a company in Latvia Helio Media 
uh, who believed in this story. We adapted it very quickly to Latvian reality. We actually had shootings here in Ukraine, in Latvia. It looks really good. The picture is different, both for our viewer and for Latvian viewer. Uh, TV channel Ukraine aired it, pre premiered it in Ukraine. And in Latvia, they had different model. It was originally premiered on the streaming platform and then on TV. But this is a wonderful case for us because we had um, joint casting. You, you know, we had Ukrainian actors, Latvian actors. The group was mixed as well. So this is a very nice case and we sell it quite, quite well around the world. So this is the story where we have um, an opportunity. Well, it's an organic story. It's actually in the story, this opportunity to shoot it in two different countries. And this is mostly what we are looking for, because for us, again, uh, primarily as a channel, this is the most interesting for our viewer to see that. And now we have the second, such an interesting, I think, well, an interesting case, which is the, the story. It's called Silenced, and it's produced by Star Media. Um, it's Ukrainian creation production based on the novel. And this is uh, the first case of such co-production, international co-production for the streaming platform in Ukraine. It's our streaming platform, OTV. It will premiere later this year on the platform. Then there will be maybe TV, TV premiere on the channel. But still, this is also a nice case when, uh, uh, when a platform actually starts investing. Because in Ukraine, this direction is just developing. Okay. So, so this is, uh, silence is also known as malicious concealment, I think. And it That's right. Yeah. HRT. This is a novel. Yeah. And I think um, Beta has just picked up the international rights. for Absolutely. This. Absolutely. Yeah. It will be uh, shoot in several languages uh, in two or three territories. It's Ukraine, it's Croatia for sure, international cast. So it's quite a big story. There's another co-production I want to highlight, and I think uh, it involves Nicola and Katya. So Nicola, I'm going to ask you to tell us about uh, uh, your show, which I think you described as Gangsters Meets Werewolves. So tell us about Monster Inside. Yes. It's a show that we developed with, uh, with Katya, an inchendo of Canada. And it's based on an idea from Anthony Elaine, who is born wild. And it's rooted actually in the tradition of of werewolves that have had, you know, historically part of the, the, the Ukrainian, how do you say, uh, you know, his folk culture. Folk culture, exactly. <laughs> folk culture. And it's a story about the Canadian. He's the son of a big monster, the King Green monster, and he needs to leave Ukraine, Canada, and he finds shelter in Ukraine. He is a very, you know, a very, you know, small guy. He doesn't, he wants, he, he doesn't like guns. He doesn't like animals. He just wants to live a quiet life. And he ends up in Ukraine and he has to take part in the criminal activities there. And one night there he's attacked and something happens to him. And he understands later that he has, you know, these kind of extreme powers and that they came from this attack. And they, you know, so that's the start of the story. And there's so many things going on in between, you know, and etc. He's haunted by the Canadians, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So we're developing. This is kind of, a, I would say, more of a true development because you know we need the Ukraine look and feel and the tradition, the culture involved in it because like 80, 90 percent will be shot in Ukraine. So we, that's why you know we have now started with a Ukrainian writer who will rewrite it again and make it more adaptable for Ukraine. So we're going to take this out for in a couple of weeks' time and present it to the market. And we're really excited about it. I think it's going to be very, feels very original, feels very 
you know, exciting and, and, and gripping. So, Do you have to add, Katja, about this? Yeah, Katja, tell us your, your side of the story. Uh, yeah, I think, uh, well, like on a personal level, what's uh, really clicked for me is that it is a genre that is not really represented out there. It's horror comedy for... Um, and it's such, just it's such an interesting space to be in. Um, but in terms of uh, how it all came together, I think it was the source of the financial necessity meeting the requirements of the story situation, which, uh, uh, in my experience, is the best way, to be honest. So, uh, as uh, Nikolai has mentioned, it is actually... Like we didn't force it as a co-production. This is how, for some unexplicable reason, the writers, one of whom is British and the other one is Italian, they conceived it this way, right? So for it's uh, there's one thing to know about Canada and Ukraine. Canada has, the, outside of Ukraine, the biggest amount of Ukrainians live in Canada. So it actually makes total sense that uh, a mobster who is uh, of Ukrainian heritage, when he's basically trying to escape the local secret services, where does he go? He goes to his homeland, basically, to Ukraine. Um, so the story is organic in that sense, uh, but it also makes uh, a lot of sense commercially because this is conceived uh, uh, to be an English language and uh, uh, Ukraine has just signed a co-production treaty with Canada, which means that it actually creates additional opportunities for both countries in terms of financing that's available since uh, our series now qualifies for all the soft money available in both countries. And in Canada, that also comes with additional top-up money in terms of license fees from the channel. So, um, and what we can bring on board apart from the soft money is also the fact that uh, uh, we can produce it significantly less expensively. And as I think like everyone in the marketplace are aware at uh, this moment, producing in English language has become extortionately expensive uh, in Canada or US or UK or anywhere else. So this is, yeah, this is uh, the story meeting uh, um, us wanting to make money on it. So. <laughs> And hopefully we will do both well. So is the, I, I like this idea that, um, you know, the sort of the organic growth of the uh, Ukrainian co-production business rather than sort of Euro puddings of, of 20 years ago that we that we saw where the, the deal dictated the story kind of thing. Um, I, I, I'm interested in the sort of where, where the sort of organic uh, partners, the natural partners for Ukrainian companies to co-produce with, because, you know, I, it's interesting that there's a big Ukrainian population in Canada. Where else is there uh, that, that you could naturally find co-production partners uh, uh, around the world, um, I, I guess I'm, I'm I'm talking to to you, Irina. Well, uh, the easiest, of course, is finding partners with your nearest neighbors who actually know what your mentality and culture is like. It's pretty common. So I guess it's uh, countries of CIS, it's Baltics, it's Poland, uh, Slovakia, Czech Republic, maybe Bulgaria, even Turkey. We have a wonderful development for like looking for Turkish partners where oh, it's it's a wonderful story. I love it. It's an eight episode if I if I can tell if it's an it's an eight episode drama called Black Sea. Obviously, Ukraine and Turkey were wonderful, great investigator. Uh, she's investigating um sea pirates, so-called sea pirates who, 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 who still exist. And uh, they kidnap her 16-year-old daughter and she goes to Turkey to investigate there. 
story. And there is a Turkish partner, this handsome investigation guy. So, you know, there, like there is a love story, action, a beautiful country, landscapes here in Ukraine and Turkey. So, you know, this yeah. is a wonderful market we would like to produce with, of course. It's just, you know, of course, it all takes time and COVID a little slowing down our negotiations and production things. Again, there are some stories, as you say, organically, they're very good for co-production. For example, Bridge. Which countries haven't still produced Bridge? But still, we have this idea and we talk to our Polish partners, even some other countries uh, which are which don't actually have border with us, but which are not far. And, you know, this... Um, nor that it can take place even on the ship, even on the plane, but still, you know, it needs to be not really far. So we have many different ideas and organically, of course, it should be the, st- the story which takes part almost equally in two, in two territories, mm-hmm. almost equally. Then it's interesting for each party, of course, to invest, to develop and to produce. That's you. Where do you see your... You know, you've you've obviously explored the world to and find co-production partners in Canada. Are you are you looking at stories that could bring together Ukraine and Latin America or Ukraine and Asia? Tell us about where your your you yeah. think the natural partners might be for co-production. I think we tend to start with the story first, to be honest. Uh, uh, but then once you have this story, um, there's certain logical places that um, make sense to take this story to. Um, so Irina has mentioned the, uh, the the neighboring countries, which is also our experience as well. And this actually feeds back to what I just said about story first, because for instance, with Poland, which has a huge working population of Ukrainians, it's logical that we have a lot of shared experience. So a lot of real stories that happens to Ukrainians in Poland and the other way around. Uh, but outside of the neighboring uh, countries of uh, sea, the Baltics, uh, um, there's also of, uh, uh, countries that do have a big population of Ukrainians. Canada, like I mentioned, is one. But uh, also it's Italy and Israel, and we have done a co-production with Italy on the feature film side, and we are developing a story with Israel as well. Both countries have just, uh, you know, every third person in Israel is actually a former immigrant uh, from ex-USSR. Um, in Italy, there is half a million Ukrainian, uh, well, mostly women working in the services industry. Um, and then also, I think just generally speaking, we shouldn't discount the kind of the zeitgeist because there's a lot of uh, political stories or even modern day spies of, uh, or of, uh, almost like police procedural kind of stories that happen between the countries. And if you find the right one, uh, um, then here is your organic production. Yeah. Antoine, I want to ask you a question. Obviously, we, we've a lot of the producers and the, and the companies in you. Ukraine are new to the co-production business and are getting into it more. APC has been in the co-production business for some time. Tell us, tell us your learnings. What what are the the pitfalls to avoid? What are the the, the sort of the upsides and the downsides and the lessons that you can share? Yeah, well, 
speaking about the natural co-production countries and everything, our, our experience is a bit different because we do not necessarily look at uh, stories that would uh, bring two countries together uh, or that have na natural, organic, international elements before we invest. Actually, it's quite common for APC to get involved in co-production that are actually local stories because, uh, you know, we... Uh, we feel where we can bring something to them, whether it's creatively or by looking at, uh, by searching for pre-sales, for example. So it's more about what the series need in terms of uh, financing, for example. Do you need additional money, money you can find locally? Then it can make sense for someone like us to get involved. Um, co-production for the sake of co-production is never that good. <laughs> so, and, uh, I find that organic stories like the bridge, uh, things that, that can naturally bring together two countries are actually hard to come by. Uh, more often than not, it feels a bit forced. So, and you feel into that pitfall where every commissioner today is looking for local stories and you end up with stories that are local to nowhere in a way it's a bit of that a bit of that uh, so we, we would rather much rather have strong local anchor uh, because we feel that's where commissioning puts its money um, and then try to find international appeal in other countries by, but not by saying oh we can make this cast uh, French or whatever because it's hardly enough uh, today when everybody is focused on local content. But, you know, we, we've had success uh, preceding uh, a few co-productions and we feel and we find that uh, you don't always need that. We spoke earlier before the, this meeting about um, uh, sort of the, some of the, the, the pitfalls to avoid with, uh, with uh, this kind of work, uh, Antoine. Uh, you were talking about the sort of the need to manage expectations when it comes to international uh, uh, demand for this kind of show. Tell us, tell us about what you meant by that. Yeah, what I mean is that uh, a lot of producers, not only in Ukraine, but uh, in a lot of countries, even big produce, producing countries, uh, they want to get out of their local markets. You know, uh, they find it's uh, constraining. Uh, there are not enough TV channels to go around, so they want to, to get out. Uh, and more often than not, it doesn't work uh, because, again, of this trend to give preference to local content among commissioning teams. So what we say by managing expectations that it's really important to work with the models that already work, the financing models that already work. For example, with Ukraine, uh, it's not because you are launch launching new co-productions with different countries that you should abandon the strength that you have, that you have a strong regional unity. With the CIS countries, you can pre-sale Ukrainian shows to neighboring countries. And this is the kind of assets uh, of basis that will help you get into premium space, premium content space. What we can do as an international company is try to pre-sale the shows into other territories, but it's not never a given. It's actually very hard work. And, you know, uh, having a strong local financing, regional financing is really important because of that. Content Ukraine On Demand, the virtual version of C21's latest international TV conference, got underway last week, featuring a range of keynote speakers, panel discussions, case studies and exclusive digital premieres. 
Exact from the Ukrainian Motion Picture Association, Forecast Pictures, OnePlus One Media Group and Radioactive Film spoke to Clive Whittingham about the key benefits of bringing productions to Ukraine. Co-production partnerships, tax incentives, the country's unique locations, infrastructure, production services and cost-effective business models. Welcome to this Content Ukraine On Demand session. Today's session is titled Filming with Ukraine, and we are going to aim to highlight the biggest incentives that encourage people to come and co-produce, film in and with Ukraine. We're going to hear from some leading executives about the key benefits of that, bringing production to and forming co-production partnerships with Ukraine. And we'll be talking about tax incentives, a variety of locations that you can film at, the infrastructure, production services, all sorts of things like that. I am Clive Whittingham. I'm the news editor at C21. I've been joined by a panel of four today. They are Anna Volkova, who is International Relations Executive Officer for the Ukrainian Motion Picture Association. John Charles Levy, the president of Forecast Pictures, Yuri Kalinovsky, the head of One Plus One Rental, and Jane Yatsuta, the co-owner, MD, and executive producer of Radioactive Film. Thank you for joining us, guys. I think probably the easiest thing um, for us to start with is just to go around the table and give a little introduction to each of your companies or organizations and what they do. Anna, why don't you kick us off and tell us about uh, Ukrainian Motion Picture Association? Uh, thank you, and hello, everybody. It's a pleasure to be a part of this discussion. Uh, I'm here on behalf of Ukrainian Motion Picture Association, as you understand, and uh, our uh, association is a professional non-profit union of Ukrainian production companies representing the interests of the audiovisual production industry of Ukraine, both in the Ukrainian market and international market. We were founded in uh, 2011 with the main task to create favorable conditions for the domestic industry with public authorities and representatives of international organizations. So we do a lot for the development of the Ukrainian audiovisual industry together with our partners from the state and from the industry itself, uh, joining uh, work of expert groups to resolve different urgent issues related to state support for cinematography, co-production agreements, and uh, also we organize various uh, initiatives to stimulate uh, market growth. Uh, for example, over the past few years, uh, the focus of our activity has been aimed at promoting Ukrainian locations uh, for filming on the international market. And uh, last year, we launched a website of Ukrainian locations for filming, locations.com.ua. Uh, and with the support of uh, Ukrainian state film uh, agency, we organize uh, location scouts to expand the list of uh, locations for shooting in Ukraine. And uh, now we are preparing uh, to launch FEM trips for our international uh, partners. So many things we do. Many, uh, many roles there. Busy, uh, busy job. John Charles, why don't you tell us a little bit about Forecast Pictures? Um, what is the company? What does it do? How will we know it? So I am a French producer originally. I mostly do English-speaking movies. Uh, so I travel around the world in order to optimize the financing through tax incentives and, uh, and local grants, uh, but also through locations. Uh, I came to Ukraine for the first time four years ago. Uh, since then, we have created with a local partner, which is Star Media, a production company and production service company called Apple Tree Vision. Uh, in the last 12 months, I've shot four films in Ukraine. Uh, 
uh, and I love this country and I think it's a great place to shoot. Uh, Yuri, I'm uh, sure many regular readers of C21 will have heard of, of One Plus One um, before. Why don't you tell us about uh, your particular corner of the company? Well, in the beginning of this year, we have created a separate business unit within One Plus One Media, One Plus One Rental. It was connected, first of all, with the last 10 years because during this period, we were actively increasing our own production, we got a huge expertise and gained uh, the knowledge how to produce with our own channels, I mean TV shows and series, and also cinema and full feature films, full length feature films, and uh, audiovisual content, big entertainment shows, sports content and others, everything which is connected with the broadcaster's story. We have increased the technical base and the expertise We uh, in the intersection of all of those resources we made the conclusion that we can be useful both for the Ukrainian market and for the external markets. We've got such experience as well as for the production of the TV broadcasts. We have done during the last four years, we've been working with different countries of the closer foreign countries. We provided sports and entertaining content abroad, and it used to be the work with the Ukrainian staff and Ukrainian technical resources. And also we've provided production services connected with the TV in Ukraine and having, as I mentioned above, some technical base and foundation for the human resources in Ukraine. We decided to change perspective and we plan as of today to create the platform of production services in the TV and cinema production, basing upon the resource which we have in the company. Oh, that's uh, that's fantastic. Thank you for that, Jane. Um, last but but not least, why don't you uh, give us the the overview of, of Radioactive? Well, hello everybody. It's nice to join this uh, conversation. I'm representing uh, Radioactive Film, which is known as uh, one of the biggest and uh, oldest uh, production companies in Ukraine. Now, recent years, we're more specialized in services and we've achieved quite a good success as the best service production company uh, in the world uh, as for commercials in 2018 uh, as for Shots Awards and through the 23 years and still counting of our existing in Ukrainian, Poland and Georgian market we sh- we've shot with such uh, A-list directors as Guy Ritchie, Johan Rank, Martin Campbell, Derek Sianfons, Drake Dorimos, Armand Dianucci, uh, Christian Carrion, etc. Etc. Uh, we worked on a well-known TV series uh, Chernobyl for HBO. Unfortunately, being just service production in it, due to the fact that back then uh, the tax rebates were not in place in Ukraine, unfortunately, so we couldn't be a full partner in that, as we would love to, of course. So luckily now the situation has changed and uh, well, we're ready to talk more about the possibilities which it brings to the table for our international partners. Uh, you, uh, my next question was going to be going back down the line and, and asking for some past examples and case studies. You've you've kind of uh, you've started t- telling me about uh, a few of them there, Jane. Why don't you go into a little bit more detail on on Chernobyl and and a few others about your roles in in these international co-productions, how they all came together, and and what your role was was in them. Well, basically, as a service production, we uh, doing so well that achieved at the end the co-production title. 
for that, we not only serviced the Ukrainian parts of the shoot, which was in total like 20-25% of the whole TV series. We also um, uh, co-worked on Lithuanian part of the shoot as well, supplying our uh, Lithuanian partners with uh, art department, makeup, costumes, etc. And uh, like the historical transport, which was needed, like crucially needed for, for the shoot in Lithuania, and they had lack of that, so we had to supply it in Ukraine as well. And um, as I said, if the texture base would be in place, we would shot even more in Ukraine, which we would love to do back then, but yeah, the circumstances didn't work on our <clears throat> side back then. So hopefully there ever will be a sequel, it will be more shot in, in Ukraine. At least that's what Johan promised us. Chernobyl 2, back to the fallout zone or whatever. <laughs> um, Yuri, um, can you give us some examples? I know obviously one plus one rental is is quite new as you said but can you give us some examples of some international projects and co-productions that you guys have have been involved with and, and what your involvement was in them well as for the tv production we in fact have produced again on the territory of our beloved georgia several events about the independence day and some of the football games of uefa and we also highlighted and uh, produced content as for the visits of the Pope to Armenia and Georgia. And out of the recent biggest projects, we totally produced the World Championship in Azerbaijan on judo, which was also involving not only the resources of our company, but some of the resources from Hungary and our countries. But our company was a kind of head of production for this project. As for Ukraine, we have produced some services and for the customers at the UEFA Games of Euro Championship and World Championship of the last year. That's about sports content. As for today, as of today, we are working on two projects with the partners, that is TV shows and series. They are at the development stage now. But in fact, we understand that if this development is successful and we achieve the outcome, this production will be fully located in Ukraine with the involvement of the Ukrainian resources as much as possible. And our international partners are at the stage of the shooting of trailers and teasers. They assessed highly our stuff. I'm not speaking only about one plus one media. I'm speaking about the Ukrainian staff at the market and about the technical resources uh, which they can afford at the market and accessible here. They are interested to locate here to cheapen the production, but also to get the high quality service. John Charles, same sort of question to you. Can you you mentioned four, four films, I think, earlier. Why don't you talk about the international co-productions that you've been involved in, how they came together, what your role was with them? So basically the the mandate when we created the company with uh, Star Media's Vlad Riachin and Olias Barco who is uh, is a Belgium French writer director and producer the mandate was really to bring international projects to Ukraine. Uh, so that's why I will give you the four examples of this year, which is very uh, typical of what we are doing also next year, which is we did a, a feature film for Netflix, which was a, a Netflix original called uh, The Last Mercenary with Jean-Claude Van Damme, which is a $15 million movie. 
which is supposed to set in France, to be set in France, which but which we mostly shot here in Ukraine. Uh, so this is a production. Uh, we did a production service uh, in January for a feature film for Universal France, uh, which could have been shot in Russia, but uh, uh, because of political reasons, everybody decided to shoot it in Ukraine. Uh, because the look was the same, but uh, financially it was more interesting and politically uh, it was it was better to shoot it here. Uh, we also did a TV series for Canal Plus as a production service, and we just completed shooting on a French-Ukrainian co-production. Because as I said, the 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 specificity of our company is me being a standalone producer doing international feature films, being able to finance the films and to cast the films and to develop them. The idea is really to prepare those films and then bring it here for shooting. Uh, so that's what we've been doing on this movie, uh, which is about the history of Ukraine. So we, we developed it outside of Ukraine and then we brought it back to Ukraine for shooting and, uh, and to use the local talents. Uh, so there is a variety of different uh, scenarios. This one is a co-pro, uh, the other one was production service. Uh, but I think the important thing is to shoot here and to spend money here and also to use local crews and local locations uh, because I think the standards of the crews in Ukraine is of the highest standard everywhere else. I've been shooting in Canada, Germany, France, uh, Hungary, Czech Republic, and the crews here are very, very, very talented. Anna, I mean, hundreds of projects, I'm sure, but it, can you just pick a, a case study or two that, that you guys were involved with and, and can you explain what your involvement uh, with those was? Uh, yes, uh, since I represent an industrial association, uh, it seems uh, that uh, today I will be the speaker who will talk about the market in general. <laughs> so, uh, yes, um, I should say that Ukraine is now aligned with the international market and uh, is ready to tackle new and bigger challenges. Uh, because how to improve the investment and production climate, uh, significant steps in these directions are already being taken, both, uh, both um, at the state level and industrial level. I mean, the implementation of cash rebate system, uh, membership of Ukraine in the European Fund, Eurimash, um, co-production treaty with Canada, success uh, uh, world A-class festivals, uh, production services provided by Ukrainian companies for giants from advertising, game or film industries. Uh, and my colleagues uh, have told uh, about their experience. Uh, I just will give some examples from the market. Uh, the last year, two Ukrainian films, uh, actually, uh, they were the first in the history of Ukraine cinema to be supported by the European uh, Eurimash Foundation. And the total amount of support was 395,000 uh, euros. And uh, another case now, um, as you know, now the audiovisual co-production Agreement uh, between Canada and Ukraine is in force, and we know about a couple of Ukrainian-Canadian projects in development. And in order to facilitate the cooperation between countries, our association, together with our colleagues from Canadian Media Producers Association, and of course with the support of Ukrainian and Canadian government, 
um, um, is working on big project. Uh, it's called uh, Canada-Ukraine Co-Production Meeting and Conference. And this project is starting at uh, Toronto International Film Festival and Kyiv Media Week uh, simultaneously in September. So to summarize, we are definitely ready to go forward for international cooperation. So Anna, I'm going to stick with you for this next question, and I want to avoid the tax uh, rebate for now because I'm going to do that separately. But can you talk to some of the advantages of filming in Ukraine around production costs, production facilities, locations, for instance? Could you, why um, should people be coming to to film in Ukraine? Uh, yes, you are you are right. Ukraine um, has a strong potential, uh, the most attractive production destination uh, in Europe, I guess. And I'm confident uh, that we can easily be become like a one-stop destination for international productions because we, ha we have all the ingredients for this, uh, developed infrastructure and good technical base, uh, equipment rental, set decoration rental, catering, props, uh, creative resources, professional and Eng English-speaking crews at an affordable price, um, premium uh, post-production and VFX services. So uh, one important uh, thing is that uh, you can easily access Ukraine for all, from all European countries and most places across the world. Um, Kiev, uh, the, the capital of our country, is served by two international airports, uh, which are connected with regional centers. No visa are required to enter uh, the country for citizens of the European Union, the United Kingdom, Canada, and the United States. Uh, living costs uh, for cast and crew are more than competitive. Uh, but um, in my opinion, there are two main advantages of Ukraine as filming destination. Uh, the first one is uh, availability. We are already ready to take to take in foreign film crews in our stages. And uh, the second one is a multitude of locations to choose from. So you can easily film other countries in Ukraine. Let's say uh, Lviv can easily double for Paris or Berlin in period films. Uh, and uh, speaking about locations, uh, these are not only Soviet, urban or industrial er uh, areas, but also natural recreations, parks, mountains, pink lakes, uh, deserts, and much more. Uh, so uh, I think that a large area of uh, the country compared to our neighbors um, implies a wider choice of locations, climatic zones uh, in one jurisdictions. Uh, what is really cool for the organization of production process. Jane, let me jump to, to you. What advantages can international companies have of working specifically with um, with Radioactive? What um, what can you bring to, to that relationship? Why should they be getting in touch with you? Well, uh, that's, as Anna said, we have uh, highly skilled uh, film crews. Uh, our film crews all speak perfect English. Uh, they work already with uh, like A-list um production companies and names from all over the world so they speak same language they know how what are the expectations to them and it's also heavy weighted uh, art department set constructions we are doing here because uh, um, usually people thinking of affordable production services they think of uh, some easy shoots like uh, 
uh, want to cast in, in a studio with a little of dressing. And um, what you can achieve in Ukraine, and especially with our company, is like heavyweighted art departments, or huge set builds, like recreating pieces of cities uh, within studio. And also, it's a variety of costs uh, on a very affordable prices still, even though we have buyouts already in place, like if we're talking about commercial shit, but it's still like on a very compatible level um, comparing to other countries and as Anna said all our locations can be doubled and also dressed uh, if needed because all our city um, administrations are very interested in bringing film productions into their regions so uh, location permissions wise it's still quite flexible and easily accessed country comparing to very well developed service production countries which are becoming like quite bureaucratic in in those areas it's not like that in ukraine you can shoot within city center you can redress as we did for example like for the movie we service produced um with english productions uh with armando ianucci death of stalin uh, and even before that for, for canal plus we also shot a movie called farewell with emir kusturis as the main cast and for those uh, those are, were all historical pieces and we blocked and redressed like quite a big part of city center of our capital completely removing all the advertising changing the street labels etc etc and moving even some like minor um, constructions and like kiosks within the streets to, to achieve like completely historical dubbing of the eras we were recreating and it's all been possible thanks to our very friendly city administrations which allowed that and even like if we are shooting for Great Britain, we turned the street traffic upside down to, to, to address the British uh, way of that. So that's all possible. When we spoke earlier in the week, you were telling me about uh, a, a, a big undertaking that you'd done in a studio where you'd basically created a city with a, with a sprung floor almost. Can you... It just sounded sounded sort of out of this world. Can you just tell the audience a little bit about that as well, please? Yeah, there was one of the Apple commercials we shot. Um, I think that one was already two years ago. And yeah, that was quite challenging job because um, uh, we had to recreate a couple of city blocks in the studio. We used the um, hangar for building planes for that purpose because there was no big enough studio to do that, obviously. And the whole uh, set construction, um, which consisted of like three city blocks, it was lifted above the ground for like two meters high because uh, some of the pieces of, uh, of the ground in the set construction had to be w- with samplings because they had to bend when the hero was jumping on them. And it's been all built uh, in the style of like uh, London city center. Uh, looked absolutely real. It was hard to believe that uh, it's a set construction when you walk, walk into that because it had streets and pavements and even bridges there. And it's been all lifted above the ground so it was like com- complete uh, set construction and was made in three weeks which was hard to believe even for the set designers when they start doing that like crews work 27 basically to achieve that tempo and quality within the restricted terms but again that's a f- favorability of the crews we have here they're highly sk- skilled but also they do not have 
restrictions of the unions uh, as it is in place in, in Hollywood, as we all know. So they, they can work much longer hours. <laughs> um, Yuri, let me, uh, let me turn to you. What's the advantage um, for an international company coming to work with your corner of one plus one? What can you bring to the table? Why should people be coming to, to work with you? Well, look, in fact, one plus one is a really very stable and renowned brand of the market. This is the company which can show its projects, which in fact were broadcast anywhere. I would say it's not, uh, we should not only work with one plus one, but I would like to add to Jane's words that any foreign company, first of all, should be interested to work in the Ukrainian market because really our market has lots of high quality experts of different types, beginning with the low level and with the set designers and anybody, just artists and production designers and makeup and costume departments. Yes, as the Ukrainian market has to be adjusted to the world standards, it's not that easy. We should begin and launch the bigger volume of our own production first. So this was the push which allowed us to provide the material technical base for the human resources, including. As of now, those people are really worth much cheaper than in Europe or in any neighboring countries. But still, the quality of the work which they provide is at rather high level. For instance, as for the set designers, who can really quickly, with a limited budget, they were able to construct the high-quality objects and constructions which satisfied the needs of the customer. We also have such an experience at one plus one rental because we do know the reality of the market. We understand that the Ukrainian budgets are totally different in comparison with the European countries. So we have this experience when we provide our own projects with such resources. So those resources can totally satisfy and correspondent to it, be correspondent to the standards. We can show what we can do with the live examples like all of the present colleagues have done. And this product will be profitable for the customer, first of all, considering the price and it will be of the high quality. And uh, John Charles, like you, like you said, you're originally a French filmmaker who has has come into this territory for these reasons, I guess. What um, what advantages can people have working with uh, with you in Ukraine? Well, in, in general, I think uh, my three colleagues uh, said a lot uh, about uh, about all the advantages of coming to Ukraine. There is one that I want to insist on, which is uh, the technical crews and their willingness to work. Uh, I've been working, as I said, in some other Eastern European countries, and uh, because I consider you. Ukraine as an Eastern European country. And, uh, and the reality is that people in those countries, they just work for money. They don't work for good work or for the way they can, uh, they can help or improve the work. Uh, usually they work as a payday and that's all they are interested about. Here, there is, uh, because uh, Ukraine is the nest of the USSR uh, movie industry from when the USSR still existed, there is a real um, pool of talents. There is a real culture of cinema. And these people are really very eager to make good. So for me, that's really, we, even if we don't talk about the prices and the cash rebates,
it, etc., which is which makes it the cheapest country in Eastern Europe and probably in the world compared to the quality. Uh, I really think uh, that there is a big advantage uh, humanly in working here with people who understand and who want to do good. Uh, now, I will give you two examples of how, as uh, as Jane said, uh, the authorities can help you and the authorities are willing to push. Uh, there is a big scene in the opening of The Last Mercenary, which I produced, which is uh, a big action scene. It's a car chase. Uh, we started the car chase in Paris, but we couldn't finish it in Paris because uh, the peripheric around Paris is somewhere where you cannot shoot. You cannot shoot in a highway in France, and it's the same like most countries in the world. In Ukraine, we were able to block six kilometers of highway, 30 minutes from the center of Kiev, for the whole day in order to shoot that scene, which would have not been possible anywhere else in the world. In the last movie I produced, which we just completed, uh, which is a Yiddish black and white movie, which is supported by the government, uh, this movie we had to build, it's a 1.5 million euro movie, so it's a very small movie. But what, one of the reasons we do it here is because we were able to build a 25 houses village in the middle of nowhere one hour north of Kiev. So that's already something amazing because of the technical crews and because of the cost. But not only that, but the government now is very interested in keeping the set as a museum for history of Ukraine. So this is to show how much they are supportive of movies and how they want to help, which is something very unique. That's all for this episode. You can hear full versions of all those discussions and more by tuning in to the weekly review show on our C21 FM internet radio station. The podcast will be back next Friday. In the meantime, stay safe and up to date with all the latest international TV industry news and views by following C21 online, on mobile and social media. My name is Jonathan Webdale. Thanks for listening. 